Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Warren. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Lorraine Campos, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And we start today with a major update on the implementation of Section 889 of the FY19 NDAA, and Lorraine is going to cover that. Uh, and I'll turn it over to her now. Lorraine, over to you. Thanks, Peter. Today, on July 14th, the FAR Council published an interim rule revising FAR Section 52204-24 and FAR 52204-25, prohibiting executive agencies from entering into, renewing, or extending contracts with contractors that use Huawei, ZTE, and other identified telecommunications equipment and services anywhere within the contracting entity as a substantial or essential component of any system or critical technology of any part of a system, regardless of whether there is a nexus between the contractor's performance of government contracts. Among other significant differences from 889A1A, which went into effect on August 13, 2019, the Section 889A1B Prohibition is not a mandatory flowdown, does not include an exception for contractors' use of backhaul or roaming features that include covered telecommunications equipment, and has more extensive waiver request requirements. Moreover, while the rule currently only applies to the offeror entity, the final rule may apply to an offeror's domestic affiliates and subsidiaries in certain circumstances, such as when an offeror relies on shared equipment, systems, and services with affiliates or subsidiaries. Because this is not a mandatory flowdown, though, subcontractors may conclude that they are free from the burdens of the rule without compliance obligations. However, prime contractors must determine if they use any equipment, system, or service that itself uses a banned technology. Thus, prime contractors will need to make a quote-unquote reasonable inquiry of all subcontractors and suppliers that provide equipment, systems, and services. We know that a reasonable inquiry does not appear to rise to the level of an audit, but we believe that most prime contractors will undoubtedly request assurances that subcontractors are not using the banned technology. For contractors that are both prime and subcontractors, the compliance burden could be even heavier as they will need to investigate their own use of banned technology and conduct a reasonable inquiry of their subcontractors and suppliers. Because there is an unacceptable amount of risk with incorporating the banned technology, the FAR Council has provided that this rule applies to all contractors even those smaller dollar contracts below the micro-purchase threshold or contracts providing commercial items. The new interim rule is effective August 13, 2020, unless a contractor is granted a waiver or Congress intervenes. However, contracting officers are expected to immediately begin including the new representation requirement or revised version of FAR 52204-24 in solicitations. Comments to the rule are due within 60 days. But with a looming effective date, it seems that such a full opportunity for notice and comment will be limited. While we don't know if the federal agencies individually will adopt their own procedures or otherwise modify their enforcement of the implementing regulations, we do know that the FAR Council has advised contractors to develop compliance plans. Such plans are expected to at least provide an understanding of the Section 889 requirements, a reasonable inquiry to identify any covered equipment within or affected the entity's infrastructure, system, or services, training of procurement purchasing personnel, procedures for replacing any telecommunications equipment or services once identified, a process for updating representations 
and providing notifications to the government if covered telecommunications equipment is identified. And finally, a process for requesting a waiver for entities planning to do so. So Peter, back to you. So there's clearly a lot to cover here, and I'm sure many of our listeners are going to have questions, and feel free to reach out to Lorraine or anyone else on our team, because there's a lot here. It's going to be a big burden for many of our clients to work through, but thanks for the overview, Lorraine. Really helpful. I want to touch on a couple of other quick items. The FAR Council issued a final rule to allow contracting officers to eliminate the requirement that offerors submit cost or price information with proposals for solicitations for multiple award contracts for same or similar services, as long as an award will be made to all qualified offerors. The FAR Council also issued a final rule increasing the micro-purchase threshold from $3,500 to $10,000 and an increase of the simplified acquisition threshold to $250,000. We've got two other items to touch on. Lorraine, why don't you take the first item on NIST? Sounds good, Peter. On July 6, 2020, NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, released the final public draft of NIST Special Publication SP 800-172, formerly known as Draft NIST SP 800-171B. Building on the security requirements in NIST SP 800-171, The applicable standard under the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement 252.204-7012, and it's often referred to as 7012, Safeguarding Covered Defense Information and Cyber Incident Reporting, SB 800-172, is a supplement that provides 34 enhanced requirements to protect controlled unclassified information, otherwise known as CUI, associated with critical programs of or high-value assets from the risk posed by advanced persistent threats, that's APTs. Unlike prior draft, SP 800-172 now incorporates the production strategy and desired effects of the adversary directly onto the implementation guidance for each control. The DOD expects SP 800-172 to impact fewer than 1% of defense contractors. However, numerous requirements from draft 800-171B were incorporated into the CMMC, that's a Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Level 4 and 5, likely giving commenters the opportunity to affect future CMMC revisions. Peter? Perfect. And the last item is just a quick note. On July 2nd, DOD issued a memo addressing the actions that DOD is taking in response to COVID-19 in terms of mission readiness, mission continuity, Much of this we've talked about before in terms of 3610, the DFARS class deviation, about cost reimbursement. The one thing that it noted that I just want to touch on is a very specific reference to contractors that are performing under firm fixed price contracts generally must bear the risk of cost increases. But it does note that contracting officers are granted discretion subject to the ability of funds to reflect changes to the government's needs as a result of COVID-19. But that's a really important distinction a lot of us are going to be watching about whether under a firm fixed price contract, there's an option for more time, more money. And this memo stakes out a position, but certainly something we're going to be watching and, and seeing if there's further guidance. And with that, we're going to close it out for this edition. 
This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Lorraine can be reached at 202-624-2786. Thanks for listening. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.